Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to this very special episode of Conversations with My Immigrant Parents, where we speak to our own mums. <laughs> How was that experience for you, Terrifying. <laughs> Sarayed and her mum were great. My mum got very, very emotional. Hey, my mum cried as well. Both our mums cried. Both our mums cried. <laughs> I'm Saray. And I'm Julie. This year, we travelled with our soundy Joey across Aotearoa to eavesdrop on immigrant whānau talking with their children. Every family we visited welcomed us, made us laugh, honestly made us cry. And over this series, we invite you too to listen in on Conversations with My Immigrant Parents. So the first half of this episode, we'll hear from Sarayd and her mum, Carenza. For some facts about Sarayd, she was born in Hamilton and grew up in many different cities in New Zealand. And her mum, Carenza, left Sri Lanka when she was four years old and her family moved to England. Then they relocated to Waikoiti when Carenza was seven and then eventually Invercargill a couple years later. Yeah. Um, oh, it's weird hearing hearing that little biography of my life. Um <laughs> So my granddad, Renzi, died when he was 53. My mum was 19. So a lot of the time when I was growing up, it was me, my mum, and my grand Mitzi. So, yeah, in this episode, I think that we mention my grand quite a lot. We talk about her. Um, she passed away in February this year. Um, my dad is Pākehā, and he lives overseas. So let's hear from me and my mum, Karenza. Okay, so my mum's name is Josefina Luisa Carenza da Silva, but she goes by Carenza da Silva. She is an environmental enforcement lawyer, so she prosecutes for regional councils around New Zealand, and she's been doing that work for like 25 years. She really loves her job. She was born in Anuradhapura in Sri Lanka, and she grew up in Invercargill. And she is, as a person, um, <laughs> she's very, very sweet. She's just like a very sweet human person. She sort of likes everyone, which sort of is, is the only thing that like maybe annoys me about her a little bit. She is really caring. She'll, she's really like, she shows her love in really like, physical ways like she will make you something or bring you something or like help you with something and she's a Virgo. So my daughter Sarayd de Silva Cameron as she calls herself now and she added in the de Silva because that's my surname and she wanted to include it. Sarayd is an extrovert. She is the oldest of my two daughters. 
she is loving, sweet, kind, funny, and she just lights up my life. Well, see, what happened, I left Sri Lanka when I was four Mm -hmm. and we lived in England for three years. Mm -hmm. So that was our first exposure to full-on. Yes. Whiteness. Um, Yeah. We didn't, we had only been around brown people in in Sri Lanka. We went to school in England. So after a year I went to school. Is this where the changing room thing happened? Well, because that's my favourite. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think I told you I saw a friend, a girlfriend of mine, um, go to the toilet, and I thought, oh, she's got a white bottom, and it was like so white. <laughs> I hadn't seen a white bottom before. <laughs> but in England, we had there were it was it was it was tough going to school because. The N-word was used all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. And even if it was just in, it was, you know, in the playground, you're playing and you do the any, many, miny, mo. Oh, yeah. And so we came home oh. and um, mum taught us to do Inky Pinky Ponky. Instead mm. of any, many, miny, Well, that's good yeah, that yeah, she, yeah, that granny yeah. knew it was not mm. oh, yeah, a yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Thing. Of course she did, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, I think we knew. We we knew yeah. because we knew what was like, oh, really? What's this? Do people say it to you guys? Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And these are tiny children, you know, five-year-olds. Mm. With racist parents. Yeah, yeah. So we lived there for three years mm. and then we moved to Cherry Farm Hospital mm-hmm. in um, north of Dunedin mm-hmm. and... It was. We went to a, a country school, Waikawaiiti, and it was just lovely. That school that we didn't feel different in that school. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Invercargill when I was ten, and we were one of very few brown families in Invercargill. Hardly any. Probably you could count them. On one hand. Do you think there's anything I don't know about, like, you, you're growing up in Invercargill? Uh, or do you think I could? I don't think I can really imagine it. No, I don't, I don't think you can because, interestingly, we, 10 years later, when my sister, well, when my sister went to school, so Revit 3, mm. your auntie Ravi is 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. When she went to school... And, in fact, she's told me she didn't have, there was nothing said to her about the colour, about her colour, until actually recently when she was in Auckland, she went to a supermarket and someone said something. What? Pretty revolting, actually. What, recently now? Like this year? Like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be in this country. What? When they came, I think it was last year, when they were here, at the end of last year. That's so fucked. But she, so what it, what it means in terms of what I just said about she hadn't, that was the first time yeah. at age 46 that yeah. she'd had anything like that. She, obviously, um, Invercargill had changed a yeah. lot from the time when we were young children. Because you guys got shit. We, we did. And <laughs> every day I was at school, a boy, Robert, called me, 
bush bunny every day, a number of times each day. And it was excruciating for me. It was, mm. I felt embarrassed. Mm. And I didn't tell the teacher. I just tried to ignore him, but he mm. kept saying it. It's so yuck and so weird. And it's so weird how you feel embarrassed when that happens. Like you have nothing to feel embarrassed about. Mm. You know, it's someone being yuck to you. You didn't do anything, but you just go like, yeah, yeah, and you just yeah. don't know what to do yeah. as, a, as a child. Yeah. I'd just like to dive in here really quickly and say, fuck Robert. I'm assuming that you suffered as well, but not to the degree I did. Yeah. Would that be right? Um, I think, I think that, yeah, yeah, I would definitely say I didn't suffer to the degree you did. I think that, like, the stuff that I got, uh, I don't know, like, I still don't know. Because I think when you're half white, like, the shit that is said to you is kind of like people, like, backhandedly complimenting you, you know, and it's all, like, the kind of they're kind of putting you in this weird box or this weird zone of, like, being better than people who are not half white in some ways. So... You know, and they're kind of like separating you. Yeah, I definitely know. So as your mum, I noticed that people would compliment your looks, Mm. say things to me, Mm. and it was partly to do with the fact that you're mixed race Mm. and that's a better thing. Mm. But it's, it's so subtle and it's... It's not it's, really subtle. It wasn't ever really subtle. Well, it depends. Sometimes it can be. There's different degrees. Yeah, but I feel like now whenever it happens to me, I know instantly what someone's trying to say. Yes. I know instantly, like, what they're thinking. And I know, I don't think it's subtle. I think it's more that, like, we don't, you can't really be, like, you can't really be, like, fuck you mm. about it because mm. it's sort of, like, well, the, my situation is so much better better than so many, better, like, you know, it's so much easier for me than Mm, so many people. mm. So I'm not, like, mad about it at all, but I, like, I just kind of want to be brown. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't like, like, brown people kind of sometimes think that I'm European, but white people never think I'm European. Yeah. So I, but I don't, I hate it when people don't know that I'm brown and I just make me so sad. And I love, I love that you feel like that. But it's such a. Don't you think it's a bit weird that I feel like that? Like no, I should no, just be. No, 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 no. I love that you feel like that. And for me, for us coming here and experiencing stuff, it made you want want not to be brown. I mean, you came here. Yeah. Because mm. I think as a child, you just want to fit in. Mm. Mm. But, like, I don't know, but I feel, like, ungrateful or I feel, like, whiny or, like, stupid that I complain or that I, like, find problems with the ways I've been treated, you know, because it's, like... No, I think it's a good thing because you can't tolerate it in any degree. Hmm. So if... Because that's what happened. We just tolerated it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
<laughs> I knew one of but, us would cry. I just didn't know yeah, who would cry but first. That's what I think I noticed about so many of your generation, like so many migrants who are your age. They compared to people who are like first gen or migrants who are my age and who are people of color. Like we're so much more ready to be like, nah, this isn't okay. Mm. This happened to mm. me. This is not the way it should be. Or like, look at this and listen to this thing. Whereas I feel like so many people in your generation, they're just like, nope, everything was fine. I didn't experience racism. It didn't happen to me. Mm. I suppose, you know, we had the comparison with South Africa. Yeah. And other parts. Yeah. There was so much worse happening. But also you just have to, you just had to get through it. We just had to get on with it. Like we could, there was no, we couldn't change it. We could, there were, but there were lots of good people Mm. and one thing about Southland as a whole is it's very friendly. So you have this this oh, difference, this sort of some people who are nasty mm. and others who just don't even notice the colour of your skin. One thing I was really interested in asking Sarage and Karenza was how Sri Lankan they both feel. Um, especially because Karenza left Sri Lanka when she was four years old and Saray didn't go to Sri Lanka until you were well into your 20s. Yeah, I was 27. Um, I sort of wanted to go there my whole life. I think I didn't really know much about Sri Lanka when I was little. I just knew that my granddad was from there and that there were monkeys Um and that was kind of enough for me to think it sounded cool. Um, and then as I got a bit older, I sort of really wanted to go with mum, but kind of timings didn't really work out. So I ended up going by myself and some friends came and met me there. Um, I think I just really wanted to find out who we were before we came here, I guess. And then also at that time my grand was getting sicker and I sort of wanted to retrace her steps in a way as well. I feel Sri Lankan. I've always felt Sri Lankan. But so your granddad is Sri Lankan Sinhalese Mm. and your gran is Singaporean Indian. Mm. But I've always... Mm. felt Sri Lankan. I was talking, I said this to, I was talking to Jess the other day, I said something about how I am Indian as well, you know, because of Granny. And she was like, why do you say you're Sri Lankan then? And I'm like, well, do we, we just are. Mm. Oh, like, mm. oh, and when we go there, you know, the way that everyone is, that's just the same. Yes. I don't know, I just feel like all our relatives there have the same personality or something. Yeah, there's is a that? thing about Sri Lankan people and and I suppose it's where I was born too. Maybe because we just, m- more people from Sri Lanka are still alive and still a part of our life. And there's so many, many and of there's them. there's so many. Yes. And they all have the same giggle. Yes. And they all have terrible sweet tooth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like us. Mm-hmm. I don't know, is it, I don't know. I didn't really know how much you felt Sri Lankan though till I was like way older mm-hmm. and I would just watch you watching the cricket or something. I didn't mm. know that you even liked any kind of sport <laughs> and, or understood. I still don't know if you understand. Um, <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> and 
like reading books that had like Sri Lankan history in them, you'd always be like super interested in those. Mm. But we didn't have any language yeah. apart from, so we, all we ever spoke was English. Mm. And there were some words that were Sinhalese, but mm. we didn't even know there were Sinhalese till mm. we went to school in England and we'd use a certain word. And I was like, oh, what's that? Oh, okay. We're not going to use that word again. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Like what words? Oh, like. Like Aki. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like older sister, younger you know, younger brother, that sort of thing. Anna. Um, and oh, things that you would use, like, if you wanted to go to the toilet, that sort of stuff, mm. you know, yeah. That's so funny. I can never <laughs> imagine you saying any word that isn't in English. Like. <laughs> but we, so, and what we did is when we came to New Zealand, we just completely assimilated, completely. And the only things that were different uh, was the food that we ate. Mm. We had Sri Lankan food mm. and, and Singaporean food. And mum used to wear a sari and sarong. Oh. And dad sometimes wore a sarong. Yeah. I think it was easier to assimilate. I think, I think we did lose, we lost oh, probably knowledge about our culture, mm. which we had to spend time getting back mm. ourselves. But you can, never, you can never learn the language easily. And I would have liked to have spoken Sinhalese. But because mum didn't speak Sinhalese, we, we didn't speak Sinhalese at home. I feel I feel sometimes feel sad, like, when I meet other Sri Lankans and they're so, like, they're so comfortable in their culture. Mm, mm. Like, I kind of feel like I after going there, I'm like, well, I just feel Sri Lankan because I know that I am mm. and I know that, I feel comfortable there mm -hmm. and I know that if all these things that Gran taught me and like said to me and showed me and stuff were Sri Lankan. I didn't know they were Sri Lankan until I went there. Yes. So, yeah. but I feel like sometimes I feel sad that like, yeah, you, you couldn't give me like, I don't know. No, I didn't really it. talk about And Sri also Lankan you didn't really much. know that I would want to be part of that. No, I, I think feel it's like because you saw me I as a actually no, I think it's because I actually didn't have a lot of knowledge. Right. Because, you know, leaving at four years old, mm. what what do you know? This is interesting for me to listen to, uh, because I feel a bit like my mum just breezes past it, I guess. But I'm interested in if other children of the diaspora feel this way, that your parents don't see you as being from their culture. But then the dominant culture, the culture that you exist within, won't allow you to be from anything else. Mm. So my mum was married to my dad till I was four, and then they got divorced. And then my mum met my sister's dad when I was six. They were together for like 11 uh, or 12 years. And currently my mum is about to get married for the third time to a man called Doug. And we love Doug. So you've you've been divorced. Why is this relevant? <laughs> well, because it's not like the podcast isn't just about like oh, culture right. and racism. Okay. It's about like people, okay. you know. Okay. So like, because I was saying that, so I didn't realize until my last breakup mm. last mm. year mm. 
not that I've had that many breakups, but you know, like <laughs> one of them, a recent one, I didn't realize that you gave like really good relationship advice. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's weird that I didn't know that because my mum has been married and divorced <laughs> twice. So of course she would know something like a lot about relationships. Yes. Yeah. And I don't even know. You just like told me stuff that was so, like some stuff that I hated hearing because it was so true. Mm. Like one time when you were talking about being di- like getting divorced from Sienna's dad, you said that you just didn't, like you just couldn't deal with being divorced again. Yeah, yeah, that was, was hard. I, fe- I felt because I was brought up Catholic, mm. divorce for Catholics is such a bad thing. Mm. And so for me, for me, when your dad and I separated, I felt that we'd failed our marriage. Well, our marriage had failed. That's what I thought. And I just thought it was really unfair on you. You were four years old and this is what was happening. But I never really, like, got that you think that it's a failure because I'm like, you were with my dad for such a long time. You were seeing his dad for such a long time. Like, that's mm. like a decade each. It's like a decade of your life. Like, mm. it's so, yeah. it's such a long relationship, you know? It's like, I don't know, I just think that. Yeah, that's that's just the way I, f- I felt. I don't, I don't feel like that now. Mm. And... Doing it again with <laughs> with Sienna's dad, it was like, oh, no, I'm, you know, here I am again going through the same thing mm. and then ringing up and telling friends, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and people who are happily married are like, really? <laughs> <laughs> because I would never talk to anyone really about any difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. If I hadn't... Um, been with your dad and been with Sienna's dad, mm. then I wouldn't have had you two. So mm. it's it's never a bad thing for mm. me. I don't think about it like that. And I understand now that the way I was looking at it was, wasn't the right way. Mm. I feel like I'm quite glad that I've had some big relationships and gotten out of them because I know, mm. yes. like, what's not nice. You know, and what's, and I guess I also know that I'm gay, Mm. but, like, Mm. I, Mm. you know, I know that, Mm. like, there was things that happened, there were things that, like, my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriends would do to me in my earlier relationships that now I would never put up with, you know, or Mm -hmm. not put up with, but I'd never, like, I used to think that things were okay because I never knew anything better because I do feel like I'm really tuned into someone treating me badly Mm -hmm. because some stuff that like you went through I really hated and I hated watching Mm -hmm. I hated like you know so that I'm always like oh no 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 if anything starts to ever get a little bit like Mm -hmm. this then that's when I would definitely leave Mm -hmm. but there are so many ways that someone can hurt you yes and be shitty to you yeah and if you're not looking you know I was looking for other ones I didn't see the ones that were actually happening Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I just think that I'm I'm glad that I've left really, and I have left every relationship that I've had mm-hmm. because I didn't like mm. it. Yeah, yeah. And that's life, isn't it? It's learning. Yeah. Where do you think of as home when you think of home? New Zealand, definitely. But I'm Sri Lankan still, mm. but this is my home. 
Is there like a specific place? Well, I think it's Auckland because mm. I've been here since 2000 mm. and I like Auckland. Mm. So I would say Auckland is home mm. and this house is home. Mm. I don't really feel like I have a place that I think of as home. I think I just think of, like, Granny mm. as home. Because, mm. like, just because I moved so much, you know? Like, I don't yeah. think of Hamilton as home. Yeah. Don't think of Tauranga as home. Don't think of mm-hmm. Auckland as home. Mm. Just feel like Granny. Mm. I think, I actually think home is people, really. How did you feel having that conversation with your mum? Um, I, me and mum kind of love to talk about this shit. Like, mm. I feel like we, like, she definitely had this stuff that she hasn't opened up about till quite recently to do with growing up in Invercargill. And because she pushed it down or said it was fine or, you know, mm. that I think me being all up in arms about shit led mm-hmm. to her being like, oh, you know, we just mm. had a bit more dialogue about it. Um, it felt good. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes me miss my grand, though, when mm. we have chats yeah. like that, yeah. I think we heard that in your voice. <laughs> um, I think being there, watching you two talk, it made me feel really envious of your relationship, like how close and tight you are and you're able to have such easy and honest conversations. And I guess I just see my relationship with my mum real differently. Not to say it's worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I really... Like I told you, I really dreaded doing this, mm. uh, doing the conversation with her. Just because we don't really have long conversations all mm. the time, ever, unless it's like really intentional. Like when I have a project and I need her to be part of it like this. <laughs> um, but I think she is such a good storyteller. It's a skill that I wish I had more of from her. Um, Your literal job is telling stories. I know. just want to be better at it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wild for me to hear because you're section of this like I obviously can't pick favorites but I love love this so Julie was born in China and moved to New Zealand when she was four Jenny came to New Zealand 24 years ago so Julie and Jenny are communicating in the way they generally do with Julie speaking English and Jenny replying in Mandarin So you'll hear Jenny's voice, but you'll also hear Jing's voice, who is providing an English translation for what Jenny says. Uh, My daughter Julie was born in China, Xi'an City. Even in Chinese, because they know uh, Romeo and Julia, so they know Julie. Uh, a lot of people here, you, uh, my friends, they don't know her uh, Chinese name, Chang Jinju. They only know Julie. <laughs> she done a lot of different work, um, asked too many things. That's why I can't uh, uh, describe all of them uh, for her own career as uh, uh, film related, like a product, producer, producer, or what? producer, producing uh, something like that. Uh, Julie, um, 
she likes animals, and uh, she's uh, um, very soft uh, to people. I don't know how to say it in English, just like uh, even some insects, and she's not allowed you to kill them. Even the mosquito in the house, she just uh, chase them out, uh, not to let people to uh, kill it. She has her own opinion, uh, and uh, very strong, and not to listen to me. Mm. Uh, but uh, I'm so proud of her because sometimes I get uh, depressed, but uh, she's strong. Uh, she helped me a lot. My mum's name is Chan Tianjun, but she goes by Jenny, and she was born in Lanzhou in China. Uh, most of my life she's worked as like a systems programmer, computer programming kind of person. Um, she recently made was made redundant last year, so she's just been kind of floating about and she's done an English course now. I think growing up I always saw her as really fierce and strong, um, kind of strict but real tough, just like the boss of the household. But now I feel like she's mellowed out a lot more. Um, yeah. But I still, in my head, that's my vision of her, is she's, like, really strong and tough. So you came to New Zealand when I was two, and I came when I was four. No. No? What? You come. You can speak in Chinese. Right, you weren't three yet. Yeah, see, I was right. <laughs> you were right. What was that like when you came before I was here? Because you were back at home, I was thinking of just being here a short while and then going back. But then after we came, we had that car accident. Then going back got delayed. How long were you here before you had the car crash? A month in a bit. Yeah. And then the car crash. And then how long were you in hospital? Uh, in hospital, can't really remember. We were in and out because my leg was broken and my mouth couldn't eat. It was all through a straw. Straws to drink water and liu shi. Do you know what liu shi is? No. Like, like porridge. So drinking that and I couldn't really walk. And later on, I could slowly start eating soft foods. Then my leg, even though it was a bit off, I could go to some activities that were organized by other people. So going to learn English 
to meet other people. And then we prepare to go to school to study. Yeah. So when you came, did you want to stay? You didn't want to stay? We thought we'd just come here for a bit to see. We only brought two suitcases, like going for a holiday. Yeah. How long did you think you would stay? We thought a month or two, and then we go back. And then with the car crash, we couldn't leave because my teeth were all broken and needed treatment. My leg was broken, so I couldn't walk, and that needed treatment too. Mm. And so we thought we'd do just everything that we could do. Before, when I was teaching, I spoke very fluently. Mm. It was because of this accident. Speaking became hard. I couldn't speak clearly. So I thought going back to teaching students wouldn't work. Plus, before, there were things you wanted to do before. I don't know how to say it. Mm. I don't know how to explain it to you. Did you know about the car crash? I knew about the car crash. Like, I knew that was something that happened to them. But um, I don't think I really realised before this conversation that it was, like, such a life-changing event for them. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that made them stay in New Zealand. Um, And if it wasn't for that, like, I could have grown up in China in a totally different society with different Mm -hmm. values and just be a totally different person to who I am now. Yeah. We're thinking about those things that change the course of your life. Totally. What about for our relationship, though? Like, do you think that if I'd grown up in China, we'd be closer? Like, even now, how we talk, how we can't speak the same language? Uh, I feel that's one bad thing. All my friends... All their kids can speak Chinese, and I'm very jealous of them. When you were little, because none of them worked, or they worked in Chinese communities or business, so they all spoke Chinese. Because I worked in TV company, I had to speak English every day. So when you come home from school to speak English to me, I was very happy. Hmm. I thought, great, I can practice my English with you. You can teach me how to speak. But when I realized that you were losing your Chinese, I would force you to speak Chinese to me every day. But by then, you didn't want to. I feel very bad and like a failure. I felt it was all my fault. I don't think it was your fault. I think it was my I think mm. I stopped speaking Chinese because when I was little, I didn't want to be Chinese. Lots of people my age don't know how to speak their mm. original language, their mother tongue, or um, whatever culture they come from. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it was, and I don't think it's the parents' fault. I think it's but for you, it was my fault. If I didn't know how to speak English at home, you would have to speak Chinese, and we wouldn't have this situation. But a little bit of it was 
to use Chinese well. You are particularly stubborn. You were like that since you were little. So all my friends would say you need to force her to speak Chinese. Because I knew your temper. The more I force you or beat you, it wouldn't work. So I feel that I didn't do what they all say. Like, I don't think it was your fault, mm. because I think it was me. Um, I feel like there just weren't that many Chinese people around when I was really little, like first got here. Mm. So then I felt like I didn't want to be Chinese because no one else was, and being Chinese was different. And I didn't want to be different, just wanted to fit in. Mm. And that's why, you know, you remember when I um, wanted to drink tap water, like mm. tap water and mm. be barefoot? Because mm. I thought that was like being a Kiwi. Mm. Yeah? Like mm. all of that. And how I didn't even like when people said the word China. Mm. Be like, oh, all of that. And that's mm. now I know why that's bad. Mm. And I think lots of kids who grew up here or grew up in Western countries, they mm. feel like that. Um, I don't think it's the parents' fault. Yeah. I just wanted to know if you thought that, like, would you have rather stayed in China? And for me to be able to speak Chinese or have come here still, but with our strange language. What? I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Which way would you like it? I don't know. When I think of those things, I feel heartbroken. It's okay. I feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can be emotional. That's fine. Yeah. No, you can say it. Sarai's mum cried as well. Uh, you for once again. I still like to uh, stay here. But I hope you can speak uh, Chinese at home. And uh, at least you can understand me. I understand you. Did you feel sad when you were first here and I wasn't here? Hmm. You didn't hear. It's okay. Um, Because I know that I was only coming here for a short time. Like temporarily, yeah. Because when I came out, course was very expensive. So we would call you once every three days. At that time, it was $3.99 a minute. Every time we would make sure not to go over four minutes. So every day we would look at it, one call every three days. So you say, we didn't miss you. How could we not miss you? Of course we miss you. Sometimes I forget what I want to say, because I was just looking at the clock. 
We'd hang up the phone and remember, oh, we forgot to ask her about this or that. But actually, all those questions we asked, you'd often not answer. And sometimes you'd take the phone and run away somewhere. <laughs> so we'd think, what a waste of time. Because you'd gave in such a short amount of time, I wanted you to speak a bit more to me. But you always ran off. Sometimes you were quite good. You learned poems, so you'd recite poems. Or you learned a song, so you'd sing me a song. So I would feel really happy. And then a few days would pass without hearing your voice, so we'd call again. And we think, oh, well, in a few days we'll be back. Let's save some phone fees, because we didn't take that much money. And it got less and less as time went. Rent was expensive. Every week it was $280 New Zealand dollars. It was at a rate of one to six Chinese dollars. So every day we were spending without any income, without earning anything. So calling you, if we could not call, then we didn't. If we really miss your voice, then we did call. Just looking at the clock, as long as we didn't pass four minutes, I can remember that really clearly. But now we're not we're not very close now. I don't really know what happened. I feel like before you and I, we were all pretty good. It was all from when I was pregnant with Joshua. After that, well, anyway, your behavior was really strange. I often didn't understand. You didn't even know when I was pregnant with Joshua. I cried a lot because I didn't know why you were like that. Yeah, I didn't want him to be born here because then he would be more Kiwi, more New Zealander than me. So I wanted you to fly back to China and give birth so we'd be equal. <laughs> right, you always said you can't give birth to him here. You need to give birth in China. I just didn't understand. And then I learned the word jealous. 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 And then I could see that, oh, it was because of her feelings at school. Because at that time, you used to speak to Lao Lao and Lao Ye. You used to speak with them. And Lao Lao would say, you are Chinese. And he would say, No, I'm not. I'm a Kiwi. I'm a Kiwi. So afterwards, whenever they called, your grandfather would ask, How is that little Kiwi? Every day asking, That little Kiwi who won't speak to us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But now I see that as like so bad. I think it's bad when people want to identify as Kiwi. Um. Now... So, with the area of displaying, I just feel like I really fail. And then I see other people's children. They know they are heritage, right? They know who came before. Like you learn Maori language, right? 
you should understand a lot of about Maori culture, right? But then I see Maori families are very close. Those big families doing things together. That's in my opinion. And I think it has been learning Maori that's made me want to be more Chinese. I think the last few years, I've been wanting to be more Chinese mm-hmm. or acknowledge that more. Um, like lots of the projects I work on talk about Chineseness, what that means. Um, and I work, want to work with Chinese people because now I've understood why when I was little I didn't want to be Chinese. Mm. And how that wasn't your fault. It was just the system that we lived in and what mm. I felt like I had to be. So now I'm trying to undo that. But I think mm. like learning Māori and when you need to do your pepeha or anything to do with whakapapa, where you come from, genealogy, heritage, like what you said, then you have to look back. And that's when I've asked you about stuff. I guess when I said that I think it's bad when people want to identify as Kiwi, it just um, hmm. it just really irks me when people of colour are like so desperate and want to be labelled as Kiwi because it's hmm. like a sign of successful assimilation. Um, I don't know, I just feel like there's a sense of superiority that comes with it. Like people have tried to compliment me by saying, oh, you've been here 20 years, oh, you're, so, you're pretty much a Kiwi then, but... Hmm. Like, I know they won't extend that to my mum because she still speaks with broken English. Or when people only refer to white people as Kiwis, like, oh, they married a Kiwi man, but they mean Pākehā. It's just, like, all real problematic to me. But part of that comes from it being because when I was little and wanting to shed my Chineseness so much um, in order to be Kiwi. Yeah, I feel like this is a real interesting difference between you and me, and I can see why we're different in this way. Like... You're visibly Chinese, you weren't born here, your mum's first language isn't English. Those factors, those things that separate you from white New Zealanders, I can see why as a child you would be the way you were about wanting to be a Kiwi. Whereas I I didn't have that because I guess in some ways I was more of one Mm. in lots of ways. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also revealing, like Mm. contrasting how you and your mum are so deliriously happy when people see you as brown. Like that's something you both clearly state like multiple times. You're so hungry to be recognised as that. And I think that's so great. more than my mum. You reckon you're more than your mum? I guess actually she wants wants to be seen as Sri Lankan. Mm. You know, like specifically as Sri Lankan. I just want people to know that I'm not white. Right. You know? Yeah. But I think, well, I hope that that's something that's turning Mm. now, maybe with generations changing and New Zealand being more multicultural, that kids don't grow up thinking that they're weird for not being white or what Kiwi is seen as being. Um, Yeah, I hope that's the way it's turning. How do you think it affected you being othered as a child in that way? I mean, I talk about it all the time as just the internalised racism that Mm. I still have. Like, there's so many instances where I could catch myself out still thinking in ways where I'm othering my culture Mm. or not participating it to the level that I should or respecting it um, or wanting to be part of it still, even now, even though on, like, a surface level I want to, but there's still something in my brain that prevents me from fully being there for it. Mm. 
Um, so I think that's the long-lasting impact. Yeah. Damn. And for extra context for this next section, uh, my dad passed away in January 2017. It was a really sudden infection and he kind of just got sick and passed away within the space of a week. So it was a really big shock for my mum and she took a while to recover from it. So she talks a little bit about that now. Okay, you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to talk about it. I can. You know what that's about? You're dead. Yeah, you're really sad. Uh. For like six months after he died. Yeah. Uh. How do you feel now? Um, Being wrapped up in the past doesn't help anything. You might as well focus on a new life. So I feel that if you're always thinking of the past, then that's you're wasting your life. So now I strive to do every day what I think is important. And every day I think about how I can make myself happier. Mm. How can you be happy only when you feel helpful? When somebody needs your help, that's when you feel happy, right? I don't know how to say it either. I don't really know what you're saying, but um, I know that... Then I should speak English. (laughs) No, 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 then you won't understand what you're saying. Um, I know, yeah, you're sad because I won't go, I don't, I haven't gone to visit the grave. Um, yeah, I feel, uh, yes, you're not going. I do feel at very least every year you should go once to honor that memory. He is someone who created and raised you. I feel like after he died, um, I had like one really big cry. And then I was kind of better, like really quickly. You are just able to really quickly. But then it took you like six months to get better, um, which is fine. I th- I think it's okay that we're different. At the start, I always wonder why you are like this. And later I thought, well, the way I was being, that wasn't helping, was it? No, it's fine. You're allowed to be sad. <laughs> I think I, I was just different. And I think because I'm not, I wasn't, I don't feel like we were close either. And because I wasn't, like, living with him or anything, it's not like I saw you guys that often. So it just feels like any other time, like, he's just gone away on a trip or... Yeah, maybe... And I think because you were really sad, um, then I feel like I helped like organise the funeral and stuff. And then that was something to do. It was like what I do to um, organise like theatre shows. It was the same same thing. So I just was just working and then didn't need to feel sad. Yes, you organised a lot of things. So now I think, do you think I am compared to how I was? I think you're happier. Yeah. 
that I'm happier than before because now I understand much more. I think you're doing more. Like you're going out, you're going on so many trips now, and I think you're living more for yourself. Like you're, yeah, you're being, you're trying to make yourself happy. It's good. 对我来说啊 ，to me， 嗯，妈妈在哪里，家就在哪里。Wherever my mother is, that's where home is. 一说这个家，我就特别难过。Speaking of home just makes me sad. Why? 因为以前姥姥在啊。Because before, when 姥姥 was around. <laughs> I feel like wherever Lala was, that's where my home was. I always felt like that, and then I felt like when she passed, I just felt like because your dad is not around either, I just felt like I didn't have a home anymore. And you? I feel like if you had no mom, you would be okay. Does that make you sad? I don't know. If you'd feel the same way as me, that wherever your mother is, that's where home is. Anyway, I feel that this is your home. What do you think? I mean, I think you're right. The way you think that. I don't know. I think you're right about that.、Um, but I think it's just because it's not because of who you are. It's not because of like how good or bad a mum you are. I think I've just grown up more independent and less reliant. It doesn't. It's not a reflection of you. I know that. It,、uh, it's different. It's not. It's maybe not the standard of what love is for other families or closeness. It seems like a selfish thing to say that. Maybe that I don't feel the same way as you. That if you're, wherever your mum is, that's where home is. But I don't know. I, in a way, yeah, yeah. Like whenever I feel sick, or,、um, yeah. Whenever I feel sick, I want to come to your house, and have you take care of me.、Um, but yeah, I know I'm. I know I'm quite selfish, and I probably only come see you when I need something, or I want you to take care of me. And I know I don't live up to like what a good daughter should do. I think I'm just. And like when I'm around you, I just revert back to being a child, and I just need to grow up and treat you better. I think.
Gracias. I reckon the reasons why you were nervous about doing this episode are the reasons that I love it. Mm-hmm. Like, and not just because you're my friend and I love you, but because it's like this wouldn't have, you guys might not have had this discussion if you mm-hmm. weren't forced to, you know? Yeah. And that's what makes it so important and so, like, special to listen to. Yeah. No, I'm definitely glad we did it. I definitely learnt stuff from it, especially through translating it. So I was the one that translated what my mum said. And so in a way, I guess what you're listening to is like my interpretation of her Mm. words as well. And there were some words I had to look up and those were the moments where I realised, oh, like that's what she said in that moment. So it's also making me realise like how much I actually miss when I am talking to her because I don't understand Mm. like 20% of her vocabulary. But yeah, I am really glad that we did it. And yeah, I think always, like whenever you see your parent be emotional, that's a heart-tugging moment for you. You're not used to seeing that. And I said within the conversation that like when I was little, I'd only see my mum cry once or something like that. Like it was a very major moment. So Mm. have her been crying like half that conversation. I mean, I think she has changed a lot. Like, since my dad died, I think she's become gentler in a way, um, more vulnerable. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's... We definitely heard that, hey, you're... You saying what your perception of her was as a child and how that's carried on, even though it might not be as applicable now. Mm. That's the point of this whole series for me, is like... The things that really matter are kind of the things that we don't say. Mm. If we don't, like, look at people and tell them how we feel and ask them things we've always wanted to know, Mm. like, death is final, you know, you can't come back from it, you're never going to know, you're never going to hear it in their voice. Like, there are so many things I wish I'd asked my grand before she died, but I spent so much time pretending she wasn't going to die. You know, if I just accepted it, there were things I would have known and I would have heard them in the way that she wanted to tell me them. But when I lost her, I lost a whole little key mm. to part of my family's history and mm. therefore to part of myself. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for how immigrant families in particular, maybe, mm. because there's always this hunger to just survive, there's this drive to just keep working and working, that there's not room and time taken out to have these conversations and tell these stories. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to have this podcast is because immigrant families bring with them so much history and maybe trauma, Mm. maybe things unsaid with relationships. Um, Maybe a culture where talking about mental health or talking openly mm. is maybe where that's not prioritised. Immigrants are a part of this country they're not an add-on they're not an extra Mm. feature it's not a special level you unlock (laughs) or something you try and avoid it's just people should be able to live anywhere totally and that's why I have a problem when people talk about immigrants as if it's some good deed that they're doing Mm. to um to include people when we're talking about inclusion and diversity I think that is to make yourself look good you're still Mm. centering yourself Mm. and adding on people to the sides. 
but I it's think it's not a favor. No, um, to truly be embracing of immigrants, it's just common sense. It's just justice and doing the right thing. Um, you don't deserve props for that. Mm-hmm. It's just the basis of human decency. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah! Thank you for listening. Thank you, and thank you to our mums. My mum is currently. My mum just sent me five messages. I think she's trying to drop off cookies. Yeah, okay. I better answer her. Better wrap up this record <laughs> session then. <laughs> You can check out photos and videos of all our participants on Instagram at Convos with My, on Facebook at Where Are You From Really, and on RNZ's website. Conversations with My Immigrant Parents was created, produced, and directed by Julie Zhu and Saray De Silva. Recorded by Joey Siasoko, sound engineered by Colleen Brennan, with original music by Tal. Our cover illustration is by Ngaumutane Jones at Ms. Mimo, with design by Sonia Milford. RNZ supervising producers are Sarah Vuitalitu and Justin Gregory. RNZ senior commissioner on this project is Kay Almers. Conversations with My Immigrant Parents was made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. He kōnei ipurangi tēnei mō te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.